Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And uh, so here's the story of Cracker. Uh, a guy came in and he wrote uh, four episodes of what could be some of the best TV we've ever seen. And then he said, I am out of ideas. Uh, and they said, we can't keep doing the show without you. We'll let you do anything you want. Can you figure out something more to do? And he said, if you let me do whatever I want, I yeah. will write two more episodes. <laughs> and those two episodes are uh, Men the Should Weep one? and Brotherly Love. And it is like... The fact that this episode, it's essentially a four, uh, six-part episode. It is effectively a six-part episode. That is how closely brotherly love is tied to Mention Weep. Weep. The only yeah. difference is there's a different killer. But the theme, like the plot picks up exactly where it left off. It's about continuing the story of those three episodes. And fundamentally, it's about a ton of the same themes. Jimmy Govern was like, if I can do whatever I want, I'm doing an entirely thing, uh, an entire thing about sexual politics in England and assault and misogyny, and I'm just going for it. And then, and, and I hate Roman Catholicism. Oh, does he not like Roman Catholicism? And as we said last time, since Jimmy sees Cracker as his stand-in, yeah. as himself. Right, mm -hmm. portrayed in a fictional manner. Yeah, um, you can assume anything Cracker says about Roman Catholicism is something Jimmy McGovern actually feels. feels. Yeah. And Jimmy McGovern also, I mean, this this <sighs> one takes on the church. The yeah. only really like they did the fundamentalist thing, yeah. fundamentalist thing. It did not go as well. <laughs> and that's because someone else wrote it. Yep. A guy who, like, only wrote whenever Cracker. And just for the record, the rest of Cracker, I mean, we can't, I don't remember if the rest of Cracker is good or bad. Jimmy McGovern comes back for the movie in 20, uh, 2006. Uh, but the rest of Cracker is written by the guy who would go on to create Touching Evil, which is not a great show, but at least it's a show that understood similar themes. Yeah, it's Paul Abbott. Yeah, Paul Abbott, and thank you for reminding me. And, um, yeah, it's the guy who created Touching Evil. He created, um, what's it called? Oh, um, State of Play. Like, just, just a bunch of TV, just a bunch of prominent TV shows. So they got a man of solid TV show pedigree to write yeah. the rest of this season and the movie. The first movie. There's a second movie that comes out in 2006. Uh, so we're going to talk about those in the coming weeks. But for now, let's talk about the last Jimmy McGovern episode of Mainline Cracker. And we hate this episode. Well, yeah. No, no. I mean, I'm not talking about... Quality. I'm not talking about the acting. I'm not talking about anything, but I hate this episode. No, I mean, it's it's because it hits closer to home and hits harder than anything possibly could. Oh my God. And when you find out the killer's rationale for what she is doing, spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. The wife did it. Uh, and you just, you're like, yep. Okay. This is, this know, is what religion does to people. And I mean, she, I, like, I can't argue with her rationale. No, it is of. bulletproof. In terms of once you accept her foundational premises, yeah, yes, 
I mean, her husband was horrible. A nightmare monster, yes. A nightmare monster. Yeah. You know, and whether or and we never know whether or not he actually killed the first prostitute. Well, I mean, Probably he did. We assume we know he did. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but right. But, but it's left up there because they want you to be unsure about the ending. But and even even if he didn't actually kill her, he is responsible for it all. So mm. when he, Jimmy Butt fat, Jimmy Butt drags him and they oh. jump off the roof. Oh my god. You know, there is nobody in this episode to have any sympathy for. There is nobody in this episode to feel sorry for. Yeah. Horrible, horrible people. Except for, of course, Cracker's brother. Well, no, and, and you know, uh, Baneborough's wife, I guess. Bainbr well, yeah, well, yeah, but I think she moved in with her brother-in-law pretty damn quick. Well, it's, no, I mean, the thing is, it's been six months, but, uh, <laughs> and the thing is, this is, this is, uh, and, uh, and the weird part is, I will give you a pass for this. Yeah. And here's why I give her a pass. And by the way, how jarring is that scene? And the reason he uh, she gets a pass is well, it's different. It's if it's an identical twin brother. Yes. And it, I mean, I mean, it, that may sound strange, but if it's yeah. an identical twin sibling, this is genetically the same person. Yeah, it's fine. It's yeah. If you if you if your spouse dies and you marry their <laughs> identical twin, it's fine. I'm not saying psychologically you're not going to have to work on some stuff later, but it's fine. <laughs> You know? yeah, she's marrying she's marrying the same person exactly okay. right and and so yeah she can rush into a marriage with the exact same person which but yeah, it's like the way that they use that as a way of turning the screws on jimmy beck is like you never oh. would have as a viewer you never would have seen that coming because jimmy <laughs> is clinging to this idea that like he he's that he can be a good person he's like i'll be looking out for you know, Baneborough's family and I'll be a good guy and everyone will think of me, these positive things about me. And then the twin brother is there. And so it's like Baneborough has, had never existed. Yep. Like this hole that he thought he was going to fill. Now it's like it never existed. And so it's like, what are you even for Jimmy Beck? And the answer is nothing. Yes. Uh, and, and it of is course. absolutely and nothing. The funny, the, the funny thing is, right, um, is that, like, all of it rings, psychologically, it rings so true, except, yeah. except uh, you know, there are so many things wrong with the decisions that people make and their rationales, you know, yeah. and that the priest, the brother priest, right? Oh, my God. Is, like, I mean, the brotherly love is the, the two, two, two Bainboroughs, and then, but yeah. the and, the, and you see that right at the beginning after this guy kills the prostitute. Yeah. Right? And then he goes to his brother who's a priest and the brother and the priest covers for him. Yep. But and we don't find out the extent to which he covered for him until later. Yeah. Oh. And we're supposed to, well, we're supposed to think that he covered for him quite a bit. But no, yeah. it's actually the wife doing the killing. Uh, well, yeah, he did. Yeah, he then covers for the wife because he feels guilty about covering for his brother and like putting the wife in this position and covering for his brother all these years. So, 
Uh, yeah, a guy, uh, you know, goes to a prostitute and he goes to pay her 40 pounds. So, you know, a hundred dollars, you know, 90, a hundred dollars, whatever the exchange rate was at the time for her to have a disgusting Shirley Temple act before he, uh, has sex with her because uh, everyone is all bound up in the virgin horde dynamic. Because he's Catholic and he can't be attracted to someone who's ever had sex. Uh, (laughs) But anyone who would have sex with him is a whore. And so he hates them. And Jesus Christ, except for, yeah. Well, as he says, you know, with the wife who claims that they have a good sex life. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. you guys are lying though. (laughs) You guys are lying though. You have sex and you get pregnant and. Yeah. Then you don't have sex anymore mm-hmm. until you have sex again and you get pregnant because that figures in here, right? Oh, she yeah. A sixth pregnancy. Yep. And the priest says, well, you know, whatever is best, he's going to give her a pass. And that is actually realistic. Oh, yeah. The 90s, there were a lot of priests who did understand the problems of poverty and abortion and gave women passes. Or Yeah. Or being raped and and um, just saying, don't worry right. about it. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Right? I mean, that even happened in the fifties and the sixties and stuff. Oh yeah, they-, they just didn't, you know, talk about it. Yeah, no, no, nobody ever admitted that that's was what was going on. It went on in the hospitals, even the Catholic hospital. Mm-hmm. You would do a D and C. Yeah, and it just on the paper, it's a completely normal gynecological procedure. Yes, you know, you know but, but wink. But- Everyone knows what was happening. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Right. Oh, it turns out you were pregnant. The problem, she was pregnant, but you don't even tell her. No. Necessarily. Oh yeah, it's. I mean that they the the politics of how they used to have to handle abortions, pre legalization is uh, and it's a fascinating story. And there have been many books written about it, but it's. So it's it's and then like it is it is a well trod territory. What this priest decides to do. But when it turns out that we're, as I said, we're going to the end because we're we, jumping to the end because this, I, I can't help. We'll, we'll do this particular <sighs> story because, and then, I mean, her, I can understand, I can understand. Yeah. Like once you find out that he, the priest, why she's blaming the priest for this yep. is that she finds out after her husband is in jail that they had more money because he would spend Hundreds of dollars, hundreds of, of dollars. pounds, <laughs> 80 pounds every week. He was On making top. more than she said, uh, more than he said. Yeah. Yeah. 80 pounds a week. On prostitution. Mm-hmm. And they could have afforded the sixth child. Yep. That was her, her argument. And she had you abortion know? after abortion because they couldn't afford a sixth child. Yeah. And it turns out they, they could have. He was spending. Now that, of course, she's going to blame the prostitute. Of course. It. It's not their fault. No. This is how they make their living. Sex workers. Yeah. They're doing sex work. They're making a living. Okay, yeah. You know, so they go, ah, you know, with their... Well, no, but it's like her arrogance. Yes. That's like, you're taking money out of my children's mouths. They're putting money in their children's mouths. Yes. Every prostitute we see this week, all of the sex workers have, have children. children. Have young what children is- who they're supporting. You know, like, and, you know, you're just like, I mean, when they find that little baby in the closet. Oh, my God. 
After she's brutally murdered that woman. Well, put her into a coma. And then she dies later. But, like, brutally, horrifically beat and violated this woman. And, oh, there was a baby in the closet the whole time. The whole time. Oh. (laughs) Sleeping, right? And you're just sort of going, oh, my God. No, as I said, you can, like, like, you can understand the logic in her brain, given that she was raised, well, in the 50s Roman Catholicism, pre-Vatican II Roman yeah. Catholicism. Well, this episode's 96, early. so yeah, born in the late, wasn't raised she in the 50s. Oh, yeah, she she's like 40. 40. She's got five kids. Well, no, but she's got five kids, so she's probably actually Catholic, late 30s. But she was born in the 60s, uh, born in the 50s, raised in the 60s. Yeah, but Vatican II doesn't really yeah, hit. Yeah, I know. It doesn't spread out until the 70s. I know. We've talked about this before, right? Oh, yes, because the guy who was shocked that the Mass is in English in the first episode. Yes. Again, yeah. does Jimmy Govern know his Catholicism better than anybody? Yes, he does. Oh, man. But not to anything that happened after he left the church. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. But yeah, you're right. She grew up and in what had to have been an extreme, you know, an extremely religious household, going to mass more than once a week, like believing it down to her core. And then things get permissive around her, but she doesn't become mentally more permissive. No, she becomes betrayed by the priest because she marries the brother of a priest. Yep. She has certain expectations. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he knows that Jimmy, well, of course he knows that, that the pre, that, that her, he knows his brother is, prostitute. is seeing prostitutes. He, he confesses all the time. In confession. Yep. But he cannot say anything out of confession. In fact, he, he oopses it yeah. at one point And it was, it was not deliberate oopsing. It was a mistake. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, Because, you know, if his wife didn't, his wife didn't know, right? As what he says. Yeah. You know, that, well, he he didn't even tell his wife he was seeing prostitutes. Whoops. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. But just the fact that it's like, what the? One thing after another. Well, no, but I mean. Like, you see his brother trying to do the right thing. It's like, you have to take care of these kids. It's like, he's already got five kids that they can't afford because of this habit of his. And then you have to tell your wife everything. And unknowingly, by telling his wife anything, everything, it creates this stressor on her that turns her into a serial killer. Because, and I mean, and that's the cute thing in the episode. That's how she learns what the M.O. is. Yes. Because the cops don't publish the M.O., nope. but the f- husband has told his wife everything because that's what his brother said to do. Yep. And so that's how she knows the M.O., to go and keep uh, killing these women. But, I mean, can we just back up to the start of the episode and how <laughs> unbelievably powerful the start of the episode is because of its presentation of this desperation. And it's just like all of these people at the edge of society... Who desperately need, like, and who she can't let him walk away, right, without paying her. She can't assume he's going to come back later and pay the money because, as she said, you know, uh, I've got to pay rent tomorrow. 
I've got to feed my children. I've got to feed my kid. I'm out on the street if I don't. She's got two. Actually. She's got two kids. Got a little girl and a little boy, it looks like. Yep. She's got two kids. And what are they supposed to do? And you're like, and as you're watching it the first time, you're like, is is he a serial killer? Is he luring in it? Like, was he planning yeah. to scam her? No. This is just a horrific situation. And he turns to violence because he feels like he has no other options. And yeah. spoiler alert, society has told him this type of woman is disposable. Well, yes. Society that's definitely factors into his decision. Well, and and that and his religion tells her she's tells tells him she's evil anyway. Exactly. And that's what he has to do. What we never find out is the origin beyond this specific. Like this is such a specific uh, and well, they do it at the beginning. Okay, at the beginning, it's so specific because you need to think because the first thing you think you see this one girl mm -hmm. the one girl who gets killed the first is yeah. the first one who gets killed so the second one who gets killed but the first one who gets killed by the wife yeah um but we don't understand quite what what's going on there because you're seeing and i'm going you're going from the non-priest brother so her husband and you go straight to this girl doing the Shirley Temple dance. Yeah. Right? And so you you actually are wondering. Like, the fact that the police wonder if the brother is doing this. Yeah. Right? The priest is doing this because it makes sense from, from their perspective. And because it's the same thing. They it's the know. exact same thing we're watching. Yes. And so... Were both these brothers sexually abused as children? It's, I mean, it's what your mind jumps to. That's exactly what your mind jumps to by a babysitter or whatever, because you don't know what's going on with that girl. Nope. Like that, the, that initial one who's playing the record. Yeah, I know. Playing a record. So you think it's a flashback of some sort. Yep. I mean, it, it is brilliantly put together so that it actually you, for once, don't know what's going on initially you are completely yeah for i mean and that almost never happens on this show but if ever yeah. they were going to break the tradition this was the episode to do it in yeah, and they did it and you 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 were going the police are following the priest everywhere mm -hmm. you know they suspect him because that's the only only solution they can it's find it's like the the DNA match, the DNA match now, you know, it looks as if it's almost, well, it looks as if it's perfect Yep. for the guy, but he's been in jail. So he can't have done it. So and they've been following the priest around. So, oof. So when did the priest, you know, have some time, you know, not in his priestly collar? Yeah. And this, and the, of course, irony is that this is, the is, is, um, uh, uh, Fitz's mother's. Oh sure. my god, yeah, that's the irony, of course. The and irony of all of this is that this is the mother's priest. Yeah. Right? This is the church the mother went to. Yeah, because spoiler alert, I mean, if you haven't watched the episode and it's a rough <laughs> watch, uh very at right at the start of the episode, Fitz's mother dies. And we've only seen her the one time. 
Uh, but Fitz's mother dies right at the start of the episode and it leads to a fight with his brother because everything leads to a fight with his brother because Fitz is terrible. And, and as he says, like, and he starts blaming everybody for the fact that he hasn't called his mother recently and he hasn't gone to see his mother recently. And oh my God. Like, if has there ever been anything that feels more real than these two brothers just going at each other? And, like, I know that Robbie Coltrane had a long and storied career, right? Yeah. Just a brilliant actor for decades and decades and decades. I don't know that there's a scene in his life where he put in a better performance than Fitz at the funeral. Yeah. It's so good. And, but I mean, the lead up to it though, when he's talking to his brother and it's like, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you come and get me? Cause he finds out that his mother has died in the hospital and she was there for like two hours between the, uh, between the call. Right. And when she actually died yeah. and he, yeah, she had a stroke and it took her two hours in the, in the hospital. And the brother says that I didn't want to leave her side to call you. And besides, you hadn't been around for at least three months. Yep. And when, then we find out, of course, that it was his wife who was always reminding him to go and nagging him to go see his mother. Yep. And she, of course, she wasn't around for those I know. Months. Oh, um, wow. And, you know, the brother going, how many times did I lie? And say you came by when she was out. Yep. And you say know, you called on an important day. On an important day, but you were out, right? Oh, my God. And you know. Fitz cannot deal with the guilt. No. And meanwhile, while this is happening, his wife gives birth. Oh, my God. Like, everything at once this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you've got this other thing going on. And then you've got the whole Fitz thing. And of course, she's so mad at Fitz after the funeral. Yep. Because he's a self-indulgent asshole. And he gets drunk at the funeral after promising he would never drink. No, no. Well, yeah. He did. He did promise. And he yeah. did break that promise at the funeral. <laughs> yeah. And then, then there's another. That, yes. But then there's another promise he makes later on when the baby is born. Yeah. That he'll never gamble again. <laughs> And then he, well, we don't actually get a resolution to that. No. We don't know. Did he actually really gamble away that $15,000? Pounds. Pounds, yeah. Because the mother's house goes for 15,000 pounds. And the brother, and he doesn't want to accept it. And it's, you can really wonder what's going on with his brother Dan there. Right? And well, it's like well, insisting think... that he take the money to the point where he just shows up with a wad of cash. Yeah, like because the house is worth thirty thousand pounds, yeah. so half of it is fits. So exactly. Now, I would say, if I was to say anything, that he is. I mean, because of what he says to Fitz at one point is, "You don't deserve her," because yeah. the baby is born. Fitz promises never to gamble. It's a little boy. They're taking these pictures. Ken Halligan shows up because he's got because there's been another murder. So. Fitz yeah. just leaves, you know, yep. like, say what? He leaves the, in the middle of taking pictures. Yep. Um, 
you know, he has promised never to gamble again. Well, that's going to go. But I think the brother may have wanted to give him the money because that would make it easier for the family. Yeah. And the wife and make up, pay off the mortgage on the house and stuff like that. Right now, Fitz takes it and he's going to. Yeah. But at the same time, Fitz has already refused it because, you know, he feels so guilty about his mother. Yeah. Well, it's like if his brother knows him that well, is his brother trying to get him to relapse? Probably not. But with this show and the relationship (laughs) and you can't say for sure is my point. Well, yeah. You know, and, um, now what was just the, the fact that he gives it what what sparked me and what made me wonder it's like is the brother taking out is this how the brother's taking out his resentment and hurting the family it's because he shows up with a wad of cash yeah he knows his brother is a degenerate gambler everyone yeah. knows Fitz is a degenerate gambler he could have gotten a cashier's check he could have wired the money he could have given the money to Fitz's wife yes but he shows up with a wad of cash and he puts a wad of cash in Fitz's hand. Well, I think he is attached to Fitz's Fitz's wife. Yes, obviously. Obviously. And at least, I mean, thinks she's a decent human being, but of course we all know she's a little wonky too, because she's still attached to Fitz. (laughs) There has to be something wrong there. Oh, absolutely. Um, But this, this idea of, and we can call it Catholic guilt. Yeah. Catholic guilt. We have seen some of that ourselves. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, thank God we're not. As I used to always say, and I've said before in this podcast, I said one of the blessings of my life was I wasn't raised Catholic. Because <laughs> God me, my life would have been a hell of a lot. How much worse could things have gone had you had to deal with all of the Catholic brainwashing? A lot worse. A oh, lot absolutely. Worse. Um, so it's... um. You know, and you're watching this and I'm just going and Fitz is blowing all that money. Mm-hmm. Where have I seen that before? I know, right? You know, there's a lot of personal crap that goes into this that makes this a definite, definite. An unbelievably difficult episode to yeah. watch. Yeah. yeah. In some ways, I mean, like there are different levels of making it difficult. Like the, the Fitz thing, I'm just going, yeah, you know, girl, you're better rid of him get rid of him yeah just get rid of him find the boring whatever yep let your brother-in-law take care of you i know you know if that's what he wants to do get rid of Fitz because your life is going to be and this child yeah you know all i could think is this poor child with Fitz as a father You've already got the other two. It's got to be the mother that's making them quasi-stable. Oh, completely. But they're not stable, stable, right? Quasi-stable. I mean, we see that all the time. I'm not saying that, that you know, anything. I'm not saying that Mark's particularly a disaster, but at the same time, you know. know. Fitz, Fitz is not, you know, the children. And we don't see much of that. We don't see much of the children, right? No. So, they're always around, but the show is as disinterested in what's going on with them as Fitz is. Yeah. And it and makes that exactly point it. over and over again because it's Fitz's point of view running this show. And if Jimmy, Jimmy McGovern and Fitz are one in the same, right? <laughs> let's let's hope Jimmy McGovern doesn't have any kids. <laughs> we don't know. But, we don't know. Um, Maybe but, he's a great dad. Who the hell knows? Yes, but, but the disinterestedness 
Yeah, the fact that he's just not interested in his children fundamentally. He no, is the guy who is like congenitally incapable of dealing with boredom. He needs constant excitement. He can't deal with the grind of daily life. And what is more of a daily grind than having to be there for your children every day? Yep. Like it is. I'm not going to pretend, you know, like being, uh, and I'm sure any parent would agree, I don't have any kids, but I've been around enough people with kids to say, like, it's just another chore you have to do. They're not saying that you don't appreciate your children and love having children, but at a certain point, you've just, being there every day can be a chore. And, and some people aren't good with chores. Yes. And let me put it this way. Please. You, you have done enough self-analysis to know how <laughs> difficult you could be as a child. Oh, my God. I was a terrible <laughs> child. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, no, it was okay. I mean, well, I, I mean, uh, I well, could have been a lot worse. Yeah, no, I mean, I could have been a lot worse. No, there are there are worse ways to be a child, but at the same time, you know, I don't think I was fantastic. I don't think I was a pleasure to be around. You know? <laughs> uh, you were you were for us. You know. Yes, but not. It was okay. It was okay. We there were more parents. Is my point. Yeah, you had lots <laughs> more parents. I wasn't. I had before. lots more parents to deal with. Four of them than just you. Yes, and that's exactly it. Uh, but yeah, like, and that's the thing. But, but it is. It is the day to day. What children yeah. don't see, of course, is that day to day slog. Well, yeah, and but th that's my point. For children who don't have any experience with the world, every day is you know a new thing. But, you know, and a new thing and an innovative thing and everything's changing for them all the time. For, for parents who do understand the world, right, they understand that it's like everything a child has gone through, uh, everything a child has gone through is just what you do. It's what you go through. You have yeah. to pretend to be amazed at things because you've already been there. And some parents can't take, you know, that kind of grind. And Fitz is absolutely the kind of person who cannot take the grind of being a parent. No. He just can't Fitz, do it. Fitz should be, should be single. Yeah. No, I mean, without children. I mean, oh, obviously. could be married, but, but he should be married without children. Yeah. Um, well, it, and my question is, the, spoiler alert, the movie, 2006's Cracker the Movie, is about him coming back he apparently like in the same way that Carol went off to uh, South Africa right yeah. to get her off the show Fitz moves to Australia when the show ends ah. right so that they don't so he doesn't have to worry about you know character relationships that happened while he wasn't gone so essentially Jimmy McGovern when he comes back 10 years later can start with effectively a clean slate and he comes back for his daughter's wedding and I can't wait to find out if when we watch that movie, if like it engages with what a terrible father Fitz was. Oh, it'd be interesting because I haven't seen the movies. Me neither. That's the thing. Like we watched White Ghost and then we never watched the final movie. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. This is going to be interesting. There being cracker content we haven't seen. I'm, just, I'm trying to think, okay, I had moved by, by the time that. You were in Sault Ste. Marie. You don't have television. My mother has Alzheimer's. Yeah. I don't have time to even think. Kind of busy. Exactly. 
And you're not, nobody, nobody. I don't watch television at that point. Like no one told us there was a new Cracker movie. And then by the time it came and went, how do you watch it? Because it was before streaming. Think about how, yeah, how the internet was 17 years ago. This is my point. Like there was no way to see the show. And so we didn't see the show. No. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting there being new Cracker content to watch. But yeah, all right. So we've put it off long enough as yeah, we talked not, about the the uh, un, the unfortunate parental child Catholic. We have to talk about the other half of these episodes because oh, there's an entire other half of these episodes. Going on. Which is as and powerful Alex as anything the show has ever done. And Jimmy Beck. Oh my God. And you don't even, like, even Penn Halligan, you cannot have any sympathy for in this episode. Nope. Nothing. She is a horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible person. There well, are. I, I, oh. and the thing is, and it's like, it's it's the culture of the cops that turns her into and this. she's a cop. Well, and yeah. she's a cop. She's a cop, though. She's a cop. If she well, no, had up front, had been up front about Jimmy Beck yeah. right at the beginning when Eccleston died, when Bainbury died, yeah. none of this stuff would have happened. No. But she was a cop. And, and she, she let it fester. Cop. Yeah. She covered for him, but the story gets out anyway, because of course it gets out anyway. And he blames her and it all festers and Jimmy Beck gets chance after chance and... Oh. God. Yeah, and nobody because the cops never are going to. Yep, never going to accept responsibility. <laughs> you know, but I'm, that moment. So and, now she's well, in a position where we find out what happened. We find out what happened at the end of the last episode because it opens with uh, the whole show. We haven't mentioned this. Opens with Fitz going to see Jimmy in a mental home, in a rest home yeah. where he's been for the past three months yeah. since the last episode. That's why, because remember, his wife was five months along and it's three, four months later because she is anxiously waiting her due date uh, and this baby that refuses to come out. Past her due date. Now. Yeah, oh no, she is past her due date because yeah. she's, you're right, because yeah, she's, she's so frigging frustrated that the baby refuses to come out. She says, well, yeah, why would the baby want to come out in this mess? I know. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's only being angry at her husband and speeding down the road that induces labor. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so he goes to see Jimmy Beck, who's hiding away because he wants Jimmy Beck to confess. And yeah. Jimmy Beck, you know, has been rationalizing and he's been getting treatment and he's told everyone there he's just upset about what happened to Bainborough. Yeah. Right. And that's his that's his excuse for why he needs the therapy. And he... Sorry, I'm just, I was about to get to what happens with the cops. But the point is he refuses. He yeah. refuses to take responsibility. Uh, and this is going to be a problem later. And so Fitz is unbelievably frustrated because he knows Jimmy Beck did it. Yeah. But he can't get him to say it. Yeah. And of course, things are bad with Penhaligon too, because he hasn't been there for her at all. Oh, he's got a wife and a baby. He's got a wife and a baby on the way. So he hasn't been able to support her at all. Oh, and you get that really tragic scene with the wife and the son 
like, and the son just, you know, reflexively defending his mother and her having to come to understand it. Oh, Fitz is actually in love with this lady. And I, that is just another thing that she's going to have to cope with. It's a rough one. Yeah. The wife. Oh my God. Anyway. But the point is, so Beck comes back. Right. And we have this horrific scene of like the giving him a cake, giving him a cake. And the, the, you know, and the, the, the boss joking about him being back. And it's like, you know what he did. You, the boss knows what he the did. The boss knows what he did. The crew doesn't, but the boss does. But this whole performance of being, oh. co- of being rah-rah and cops are all the same side and cops look out for each other. It's, it's so disturbing to watch. And her response, and it's like, this is, you know, something cops are famous for doing is, uh, she, well, because this all ties in with the fact that um, they are looking... This woman was uh, murdered, right? This this sex worker was murdered, and they have to assume it's because she didn't get paid. And so they're like, and Fitz's take on the situation is, this is not a guy who went out planning to kill somebody. He got frustrated and he got angry. There was no planning behind this. And, you know, people had seen her going off with this John, and it's a John they know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know this... Oh, exactly. Right. And a car they know, like they know this guy, he's here all the time. They just don't have his name. And so they go and they're like, okay, well, let's find people who went to a cash machine. Right. And then she quite uh, says, like, if Fitz is right, he wouldn't, if he got cash out, right. Uh, If he got cash out, he would have paid her and not killed her if Fitz was right about this. And she's assuming at this point Fitz is right because it's safe to do. So let's look for everybody who, you know, <laughs> let's look for everybody who has not, who tried to get cash, but didn't, uh, plus, plus. Okay. but didn't actually, wasn't able to actually get any. Yeah. And then of course he decides to go, but what we didn't say was the reason he kills her, of course, is that he has to, he goes into his wallet Turns out his wife has taken his money to pay the gas bill and the milk bill. Yeah. yeah. So that's why he doesn't have money, but his pay has gone in. His pay is supposed to go in, but it's not accessible yet. It has not gone. Yeah. It doesn't become accessible till the next day. Oh yeah. my God. And so they're like, okay, well, there was somebody at, somebody saw this. And so they find out that this homeless guy saw the people at the, uh, the cash machine. And so they go to look for the homeless guy and she demands to bring Jimmy Beck along with her. And so alone in a car, she tries to get him to confess to the sexual assault, which, you know, smart move, but he immediately recognizes that he's being recorded and throws the tape recorder away. And so she's like, yeah, he hasn't said anything, but he throws it away. And then he goes out to talk to the vet and the homeless guy who's a vet and pisses the guy off and the guy starts chasing he starts chasing Jimmy back around and Penhaligon offers no aid and doesn't call for help. Nope. Cuz that's what cops do when they have a problem with another cop. They wait until that cop's in danger and then they leave them out to hang. Yeah, and yeah. Beck ends up back in the hospital. Yeah, Jesus. No, she finally does. She finally does. Well, when the other cops well, when the other cops show up, she has to come out to help. Oh, 
nobody gets a pass. No, Not exactly. When we have the last scene, which we'll talk about in a minute, I'm just going. Oh no. my god! Yeah, don't get a pass. Neither one of yeah. you. So Jimmy Beck has been, you know, hospitalized in his bad shape. And so Fitz goes to see him and they have a wide ranging conversation about sexual assault and how really isn't women who benefit because rape exists. So they get to claim rape whenever they want. And we just all have to get out of their way. And I'm like, oh, my God, like the depths of rationalization that this man has had to go to as he self-destructs are unbelievably just like it's disgusting and it's despicable but the and problem it's just has to sit there and take it but here's here's what like i keep wondering okay we're watching this show yeah and i'm going you know if you were teaching a class on how men rationalize mm -hmm. great could you do a better job than this you know it, take this show and just take clips from it yeah. And just to show these two uh, episodes, it's like a master class in the psychology of rapists. Yeah. And it, it is horrendous. Yeah. It is horrendous. And people don't want to, you want to know why the show didn't make it past this season? <laughs> <laughs> how could you keep watching this show after this? It's called how, how many times can ITV? Cause I think it, I'm assuming. Was it, oh yeah. It had a commercial break in the middle. So yeah, it's yeah, not BBC. Yeah, you know, so consequently, right, you can tell where the commercial breaks were. Yeah. You know, you're just going, how many nasty phone calls can you get? From you get, the I know. It's like, Who is there a time late enough at night that it is safe to show this television show? And people don't want to know this. Oh. The real problem in society is people don't want to know. And the thing is, is that when, here's the point. Beck basically says, okay, this, when he's talking with Fitch, I don't know whether it's this, I think it's this point, right? He says, is this, is this protected? No, no, no. He, uh, that's the second conversation that's when he finally exactly. confesses. Okay, we'll this is the one where he claims to have slept with her previously. Oh, yes. And then, and so, and it's like, if she would sleep with someone like me, you know, it's like she has no value as a woman. And then you're like, oh, oh my, my God. God. You're just sitting there, you know, all of these men who assume that if you slept with, oh, I mean, I could, this could take you back to the, if you're not a virgin, you'll yeah. sleep with anyone. Yeah. It's the assumption that, okay, yeah. so you slept with so-and-so, why won't you sleep with me? It's, well, it's I know, different. because you're not, because she's a fully realized person who gets to do what she wants, but that is <laughs> one thing that she's not allowed to be is a fully realized person with her own agency. But it is a norm. Like, oh, it is completely if, a norm. If there's a, you, could, you could almost call it, it's like going back to the 70s, the 60s, right? Yeah. And men, the way men thought about women, you, yeah. you know, it's not just the virgin whore complex, which is the extreme Ver in yeah, Roman version politician. No. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. Good if a woman, if a woman is girl, girls don't, and every and any other woman is completely available at all times. And if be. some woman does give in, then ipso facto, she's Jesus. a whore. Yep. It's it's a really sick attitude. 
Yes, but it was it's a norm and it's still it there. It is completely a societal it, norm. In some ways, uh, what I keep talking about the society we're living in right now is that they've gotten better at um, finding excuses mm-hmm. to do this to women. They yeah. find different excuses, right? Okay, we can't use the, the virgin whore thing because like, like we can't use the religious stuff anymore because we're not a religious society and we don't believe, but we've still got to find some way to call her a whore. Yep. Right? To divide women into good women and bad women. And all, and the own, and in Jimmy Beck's case, all women are bad women. Yep. There is no such thing as a good woman. Any woman will do this to you given half a chance. So you got to keep them in place. It's it's so upsetting to watch. And that moment where Fitz, because at the end of the day, he can't know what's what's in anyone's head. So he has to be absolutely sure. So he actually has to go to Penhaligon and ask if she's ever slept with Jimmy Beck. And you're like, of course Jimmy Beck's lying. But he has to be sure. And it's just so frustrating to watch. Yeah, well, that's Fitz, right? That's Fitz. He has to be 100% sure. Even if it causes her pain, which of course it does. Which of course it does, and it causes him pain as well. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, this is not the jealous thing. No. This is because he does that too, right? Oh, yeah. But But he didn't trust her. Yeah. (laughs) And he should have. Well, yeah, but, you know, I mean, but that just goes to the attitude towards women. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. The, the end of the day, he can't just take her word for it because yeah. Fitz is just as sexist as all the other men in his way. Yeah, well, look at the way he treats his wife. Oh, absolutely. And his, you know, his speeches about it. He want, And he, on some level, wants to be better and he doesn't know how. Oh, yeah, well, it's, he, it's upsetting. He has, to, he has to fundamentally do what he did in the first episode, lock himself in a room somewhere. And yeah. just figure out who he is. Yeah. And why he's doing what he's and he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't go to therapy. Nope. You no, know, and neither does but neither does Penn Halligan. No. And I am sure she sent every one of those 14 rape victims off to counseling. But oh, she absolutely. won't go. No. And that's because she can't ima- she can't accept that she's one of them. She can't accept that she's a victim. That's why she becomes like this crusader at exposing Jimmy Beck and getting revenge. Because that way she doesn't have to feel like she's a victim and deal with her own vulnerability. And I'm not saying she's wrong for trying to get Jimmy Beck in jail. Of course she's right to do it. But the fact that she's abandoned all thoughts of self-care and think dealing with Jimmy Beck is going to fix her. Everything is going to be fixed once she's dealt with Jimmy Beck. But that's just not how it works. No, it's not how it works. And and she's just and she is above and beyond nasty. Oh yeah. Like I, this is. And I, Jimmy Beck just so desperately needs, and we find out that Jimmy Beck, uh, frequents sex workers. In the least no. surprising development of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, he does. But we get this horrific scene that is so sad and so tragic where it's like, literally, there is, there are, you know, 
pe- people out there, sex workers are being murdered and no one knows why, brutally. Mm-hmm. And uh, he still just needs to go to them. Right? And the, you have that thing that they do where... No one else the, can talk to and be vulnerable. Exactly. He can't be vulnerable with anyone. And so he just needs to go there and talk to this woman that he's paying to be with. And he's like, just get therapy. And I know that that's like therapy is basically her job. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not lie. That's what sex work is. It's just another kind of therapy. Except (laughs) mostly it's an unsuccessful type of therapy, which is why they keep coming back. Exactly. It's just it's just therapy that doesn't get the job done. But it is a kind of therapy. And I mean, and you see it with her because, you know, she, uh, but the problem is it's a therapy where your therapist has contempt for you. (laughs) Yeah. Which is, you know, some therapies like that and it's never going to work, but it does happen. (laughs) Yeah. and It's not like therapists aren't human. We call Uh, it transference, but. Yeah. But it's like, it (laughs) remains, it's this question where it's like, you see Jimmy Beckett is at its own at his most vulnerable, but the genius of the scene is it shows you that to men like this who desperately need therapy. So they create a situation where they're going to get therapy without feeling like they're not in power. And that's why they go to sex workers. Sure. Cause they, they paid, they them. have power over them. And a it's a woman. B they're paying jail. them. Exactly. And as with a cop, I could throw her in jail. So it's like he desperately needs therapy, but he can't give up his power for one moment. And so he can only go to a sex worker for therapy. Like there's like all of everything that happens in this episode. Yeah. And Jimmy can't. And and he's so powerful and so true. And Fitz can't get therapy because. No. Well, no. I mean, there's no one more desperate with of being in control than Fitz. That's exactly it. And he needs to he needs to maintain this image he has of himself that he has created in childhood to survive. Yep. And he oh, which has we get a piece of when we hear his childhood story in the eulogy. Yep. Oh. And like, oh, does does Jimmy McGovern understand where Fitz came from? Yeah, he understands where Fitz came from. Oh my God. But all right, so now we get the second Jimmy Beck interrogation. Jimmy Beck is falling apart. He's had the night with the prostitute where he's desperate to be vulnerable. And they do that thing um, where she has to call someone to say, Jimmy Beck's here. Yeah. Right? So in case I get murdered, you're getting caught. And she's like, and and it's like, you know, he's a frequent thing because she's apologetic for having to do it. Yes. She said, because he's a free, I know you're a frequent customer, but you know, there's a serial killer running around. And I know you're not, you're not, um, how much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> no, yeah, I know you're not the sicko, but still. Yeah. Oh, God. The, then um, that causes, then that causes another problem. Yeah. Uh, but that scene is, is so good where Fitz comes back and Jimmy Beck finally confesses after making Fitz swear on oh, his yeah. newborn child that he won't reveal oh, yeah. anything. He said, he said, this is a confidential session. Basically, yeah. therapist. you're my therapist now. Yeah, you are my therapist now. And, and Fitz promises. Yep. And Jimmy confesses. And this is, this is 
a mis- <laughs> it's sort of a mistake on Jimmy's part. It's a mistake on, but it's a bigger mistake. Mistake on, on Fitz's part. part. Because again, Fitz does not see the ramifications because once Jimmy Beck has uttered the words, I raped Penn Halligan. Yeah. He can't put, he can't live in, denial keeps, I mean, I hate to say it, denial keeps people alive. Denial keeps people alive. Now he has said the words out loud to another person and that's it. That's it. He's a rapist. He knows he's a rapist. He can't put the genie back in the bottle. He has to go to jail or he has to get therapy or he has to kill himself. Yeah. That's all he can do based on his worldview. Yep. And Fitz should have known that. Of course he should have known that. Because Fitz, here's the confession, which, by the way, like, the the thing that he says, that it's like, I I maintain that I did not go there intending to rape her. Yeah. And it's like, you can believe him. That he's just, it was another one of his six sadistic pranks and dominance things, but he was so drunk on the power. Yeah. That's what he said. For the first time, he saw this woman being afraid and he wasn't scared and he wasn't powerless anymore the way he had been ever since she had had this power over him because what she knew about Baneborough and she had seen him at his weakest and now she was afraid and he had all the power and he had to chase that feeling. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yep. There, I believe. I believe you one hundred percent. This is the this. Yes, you believe. You believe Beck, and you be, and it just goes to show you what power does. Like this, yep. this. We keep trying to get people to understand that rape, particularly full blown rape, has yeah. nothing to do with sex. Yeah, they don't want to hear. In the sense it. that, yes, sex is just the means to exert power. Yeah, and control. That's all. It's all about power and control. I mean, and the That's thing is, just, it's just the way to do it. Yes. And it's it's horrific, but I hate to bring it up, but the show brings it up a bunch of times. So we have to talk about it. And you're like, well, isn't it about you being aroused? No, because no. frigging object rape exists. Yes. You know, it's, it's about power women. and control and rage. Yes. And it's all about because. The wife rapes these women. Yeah, with her, the, their husband's chisel. Oh, jeez. Yeah, except the difference is yeah, she does it while they're alive. Yeah. The husband defiles the bodies because he's angry at them for, a body. you know, one a body. body. You're right, you're right, because he only, only kills one woman. He, uh, he defiles the body because he is desperate to, you know, break his addiction to sex or however he would put it. Yes. And he blames her sex for his addiction. And so, but the, the wife just rapes these women with a chisel. Yeah. That's what she does. And that's what it's called. Yeah. And it's that's called object rape. And that's it's a why, thing. That's, that's why, why they, they assume, assume it's a man. A man for so long. Yep. And now we finally get where these two things converge because the wife, and I mean, Jimmy Beck catches her. Yeah, he catches her because you know he's there, uh, and he catches her, and they throw her in jail, and she, uh, she confesses to all of the murders. She says uh, because, and this is the key: she was her husband's alibi for the murder, 
And Shoshi says, I followed him out and I saw him have sex with that woman and failed to pay her. And when he stormed off, I went and I murdered him, her. Because her thought is, well, I've, you know, assaulted one woman and killed two others. I'm going to jail for the rest of my life, but I still have five kids that need to be looked after. So I will just say that I did all of them and my husband will stay out of jail. And they've got no evidence against the husband. That's the thing. And so uh, Jimmy Beck can't live with that. So he goes and he grabs the husband and he says... I'm, we're going to this big building and we're going to jump off together. Yep. And you're going to confess that you, and you're going to confess that you killed that woman. And I'm going to make my confession. Yeah. We're going to confess together because we're evil, horrible men and we did horrible things and we have to pay. The justice system says we have to pay. We did evil things and we have to pay. Well, and I mean, it's more than the justice system and it's more than the justice system. It's, it's Catholicism. It's, it's because they're both Catholic. Let's not forget that. And the justice system. Oh, the justice system has let both of us go. Then we're both going to pay anyway. And we're going to pay in the worst possible way. Yes. Because Jimmy Beck comes from Ireland. Yeah. Which is an interesting part of the speech he gives about dealing with anti-Irish bigotry. Yeah. When he was a kid and how that, hey, the, the, and you understand in that speech that so that the Jimmy Beck we look at is a performance that's been going on for so long. It is his personality now yeah. that the only way, cause it's like the, the episode, it's not going to take, uh, it's not going to avoid taking a shot at toxic masculinity. It has to, you know, it has to find room for that. And so he gives this whole speech about how the only way to be accepted by men is to be brutal. Yep. Because men can't be vulnerable, can't show vulnerability, that you have to be brutal to be accepted by men. You're like, oh, wow, every part of you is just this performance you're doing. Yeah. Jesus Christ, this episode. No, I mean, (sighs) gotta give Jimmy McGovern, boy, when he takes on a social issue, he takes it on. (laughs) You've yeah. got to give him that, and I I can't complain with anything about anything he's written. But I mean, Not this wrong. is this Isn't is it? every bit as powerful as like the three. Ep- it's like I think of it as one of the three episodes now of season two. Like that god awful cult episode has been erased from my head, yeah. and now season two is just to be a somebody. <laughs> right, men should weep we- and uh, brotherly love. Yeah, in my we head, that's season that. two. Yeah, we, we just, the cult episode was just. Yeah, it's you can completely dismiss it. And as I said, I am sure. I am sure. I, and maybe, here's here's the other thing. Maybe Jimmy Beck knew that these were the stories that he was going to have to write. McGovern. And he didn't want to write you've, them. You've conflated the two men. Right? He Because they're just both named Jimmy. To. I mean, yes. Okay, Jimmy McGovern. Maybe that's not accidental either. Uh, but Jimmy McGovern. Okay. Yeah. I, he may have wanted to quit because he knew after Albie where it was all going to go. 
yeah in his head and he didn't want to write the episodes you can do that you can have kind of that a block because bizarre, of that. yeah bizarre block or the bizarre that that bizarre but i just can't go that far i just can't do it because this is far yeah. i mean the last three episodes were one thing but this is just it is the logical culmination from yeah. from the albi yeah episodes Mm-hmm. And the life. rapist episode, yeah. And then the rapist episode. Like this, this is this is where it had to go for the characters. Yeah, and if the show is being have, honest with itself, he w- didn't want to go there necessarily. And so he said, "I can't write the show anymore." And they say, "You can do whatever you want." And he's like, "Well, then I'll take it to the extent it has to go to." Then, then I will do, I will do what I have to do, and, and then I'm walking it. away. Yeah. And because that's, that's the thing. It's like what you can say about this show and who the hell knows what the last three episodes are going to be like, you know, with with someone else writing them, you know, with, again, a good writer, yeah. but not Jimmy McGovern. No. Well, but that uh, and as I say, and it may be that the botched middle episode in season two. Yeah. You know, they told him he could do whatever he wanted, but he also went, oh, God, look what they did. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Between, right. So, OK. I'm going to take this where it has to go, and this is where it has to go. And if and then I I'll just say, walk away. Do I want you know, do I did I want to see this? No, I didn't, but there's nothing there's nothing in this episode that feels wrong to me. And and you wonder as you are going through it, it's when you get the wife explaining yeah. everything and how you know, I mean, the abortion, she was raised and she she talks to this priest. She's screaming at this priest. It's his fault. Her baby is dead. Yeah. And she has committed this sin mm-hmm. over and beyond. And it doesn't matter. She wanted him to tell her she couldn't have an abortion. Yep. And he wouldn't do it. And he and she says, so you're as responsible for all this. And yep. you knew my husband was seeing prostitutes and you knew and you did nothing. Yep. You know, and that's the problem of the confessional. Yeah. Except as, as she says, you did do something. You helped him cover up his crimes. Yes. By not saying anything. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we, well, we no, don't... beyond that, uh, you know, like helping him strategize getting away with it. Oh, with the second one. Yeah. I mean, with the murder. Yeah, with the murder. Yeah. But yeah, it's like all of this time, her husband was lying to her and cheating on her. And, and spending money. And spending this money that they so desperately needed. And, and of course, she as the dutiful wife would have never questioned that his role was to handle the money. Nope. Yeah. Oh, my God. A- and then, so... Like, literally, the the oh. ending that this show has, that Penhaligon gets to be there, that he waits for her to get there. Yes. Jimmy so he can apologize. Jimmy Beck. Yeah. So he can apologize to her before jumping off the roof. And she finds out that this is what I thought I wanted, but it doesn't, you know, fix it and it doesn't make it better. No. What happens is... Is that now that this has happened, she actually has to deal anger, with it. Yeah. yeah. The anger, the rage, everything else. 
There's no in the same way that you're right. In the same way that Jimmy Beck, the way he, the minute he says the words, he has to deal with it somehow. Yeah. And the way he chooses is to try and recreate Baneborough's noble sacrifice. Yeah. By getting this guy as he dies. Uh huh. She now has to deal with it too. Yep. And I'm just sad Jimmy McGovern is not there to write it. Because this episode has as powerful an ending as the show has ever had. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just where you just see her because Fitz is there. They're trying to talk Beck out of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beck refuses to be talked out of it at all. Um, uh, He just needs to say, yes, I did rape you. And I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry I did that. Mm -hmm. And then he and the other guy and he just grabs the other guy and and he forces him off the roof with him. Yep. And they're both dead. And... And all Pen Halligan, you see this long shot. That's what makes it sort of powerful, this long shot of mm-hmm. Pen Halligan. All she does is cry and cry and scream and scream and scream and scream. Because it's she's going to have to now deal with the yep. guilt to boot of causing Jimmy Beck's death. Yep. Right? Because of the way she has handled all of this. Yeah. And, I mean, it's know, not I that mean, she drove him to suicide, no. but she certainly handled it in such a way as to put a huge amount of stress on him. Yeah. Such and that stress, stress was one of the factors. And destroying that his happened. relationship with his fellow cops. Yep. Like when she, when she knocks, because she does go to see the pre, the prostitute, the sex worker that Jimmy Beck spent the night with. Yep. And, of and course, leaks that he, you know. Didn't have sex didn't have sex and just wept all night so that the other cops can't respect him. Like she does yeah. everything she can to destroy this man. Yes. And then, I mean, there's but plenty of factors, do- yeah. but when, when you destroy somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have to deal with that, that. And I, I, you know, I'm not sure it's really weird, right? That I don't remember what happens next. No. Um, and it, whether, well, we'll see as we discuss it. We'll be doing this next week, so. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, we're going to find out real soon. Real soon, we're going to find out, so. All right. Uh, I just want to remind everybody, uh, I'm going to be topical for one second, uh, that this toxic masculinity, this horrible behavior, is something we always have to watch out for. Uh, it's something that we have to police, It's something like this male entitlement, uh, this abusive behavior, this, you know, corrupt way of seeing the world is something we have to constantly be on guard for and call it out wherever we see it. And I just want to mention that right now, a popular right wing YouTuber is going through a divorce. And uh, and it's like, you know, one of these guys who blah, blah, men should be in charge, blah, 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 blah. Don't look away from this because footage, uh, his wife's family has released security cam footage from their house of him being monstrously abusive and controlling and horrific. And I just want to remind everybody, this is where uh, male-centric, unbelievably right-wing religion and culture leads. It invariably leads to control and abuse and horrific outcomes. And it's not, and it's like, you can see it in your day-to-day life and you, and I'm going to say it, almost no television has the guts to deal with it. Well, and that is what makes this show so powerful. 
And it's just like, it's just so weird that literally within, uh, right. Uh, literally within hours of me watching this episode of television video comes out of a popular, you know, right wing influencer screaming at his wife that the, his eight month pregnant wife can, you know, take an Uber's places because he refuses to buy a second car with his tens of millions of dollars. Because if there's a second car in the house, then she'll be able to go somewhere without him knowing about it. You know, and the guy, and I think what sickens me the most and horrifies me the most is, uh, do you know what this guy did after, uh, finding out like it being public that his wife was divorcing him? He went on his like radio show and came out against no fault divorce and said his wife shouldn't be allowed to divorce him. No, because he hasn't killed her yet. Exactly. And I just want to point out that it's like, you don't have to like, you don't have to look fiction to fiction to see this kind of horror. And in fact, fiction doesn't do a good enough job of demonstrating this type of horror. Nope. Nope. So yeah, um, this episode was very intense for me. <laughs> well, it, it comes, it, these, these, I mean, these, you could call it nine episodes. Yeah. These nine episodes of what I call the proper season two of Cracker. Yeah. Um, and the, la the of course, the last six. It is, it makes me, I said this last week, right? Yeah. Um, it can make me extremely depressed. <laughs> it can <laughs> no, the minute you finish watching this episode, but, you're like, you know, can we just get through talking about this now and then never talk about this episode of yeah. television again? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, normally you don't call me till like one o'clock. But it's like, I watched it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> no, we got to get this out of my head right now. <laughs> because I watched it last night. Yeah. I was only going to watch two episodes. But, but how could you stop? I, I just said, okay, I've got to watch it to the end. Yeah. Okay, so, and I forgot to turn off my alarm because oh, no. I got at work today. And I forgot to turn off my alarm. And um, so... I'm sitting there listening to my alarm for half an hour going <laughs> and half asleep and got up half an hour later. Right. But yeah, um, it, it, it is a statement. It is a statement that when you go and read our discussions of criminal minds and Derek, the Derek Morgan character, yeah. it's our, this, this, okay, everybody, if you don't believe us, go, look at this yep go watch this stuff this is the stuff that's telling you mm -hmm. this is what it does without glamour like this is not glamorizing it no nope. i mean we have seen you know we have seen sometimes you know this is give me a break like everybody wants well have you seen what is it the gray thing or you know the bondage stuff Oh yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey. Jesus. Fifty Shades of Grey and Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever. I whatever. Don't, yeah. I don't care. And well, have you read it? No. Why would I? Glamorizing I'm abusive, glamorizing controlling behavior. Bondage. Glamorizing, yeah. and it doesn't matter. Well, it's like it's I'm not gonna. Right? I'm not gonna judge. Well, no. I just want to say I'm not gonna judge people for whatever kink they're into. But when it moves outside of you know when the control becomes your entire life. 
That's a problem. Yes. Really however, is. however, like, like it's one thing when an individual. Yeah. And I have to deal with this. I don't have to do it anymore. Well, you know, there are Thank reasons God. why I basically don't do any kind of therapy work anymore. Right. It doesn't mean that I don't hear horror stories every now and then I, I do some crisis counseling because I get stuck doing crisis. <laughs> so I can yeah. find somebody someplace else. Yeah. Right. Um, but it is crisis work and, and that's all that's the most I will do. So, but I yeah. will tell you some, even you can talk about these. I mean, it's one thing to want your, 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 your partner to wear shoes, high heeled shoes. Because that's what really turns you on. It's another to bind them up and decide that that, because it's the old story, what I try and get through to people, why is this so different? Because pain plus or the succession of pain connected with orgasm releases Mm -hmm. too powerful. Yeah. Endorphin-like things into your body and your brain, and it is highly addictive. Yeah, and, and it gets people obsessed with the person. And further who yeah. and further and further down that road, and yeah. then it becomes power and control. Like I'm talking simply because it's what the brain does. It's why, for a lot That's of true. people, and look at we always bring up. I always bring up David Carradine. Oh, I know. David yeah, that's where they end up. Stupid, stupid, stupid way to die. Yeah. Yep. Stupid way to die. It is. And, you know, so, and I mean. It's I because have to, you, you chase, you're right. You chase that exact feeling over and over and over again. Yeah. And then you don't. But then here's the problem, of course, because all of these little sexual kinks come from your childhood. Yeah. Right. And so maybe it's. Like, I don't know what the answer is. God only knows worldwide. But I do know that these little things, yes, for a lot of people, they remain those little things. Yeah. I mean, if this guy had been able to tell his wife she needed to pretend to be Shirley Temple. Imagine all of the horror that would have been avoided. You know? Yeah. Imagine. And so she would do these little little dress ups as Shirley Temple. And yes, it's a little icky. Right. But, but it's the mother of his children, so he she can't be exposed to that kind of filth. Yes, right. Yeah. That, but that no. But there's a reason why he doesn't do that. Therefore, he has to go out because this seems to be driving, which means something happened in his childhood that's related to Shirley Temple, obviously, and and, and sexual mm-hmm. abuse, right? Oh yeah. So whatever it is, so be it. But the point is, right, that you can't deal with this and it does eventually it was a harmless other than what it did to his wife and his children and the money he spent it is a harmless kink except you ended up with this point at this point where he becomes so afraid that his wife will find out yeah everything is going to fall apart because of course she comes up to the door and is going to knock on the door Jesus she wants her money which was really a stupid thing on her thing yeah but, but then she's he's desperate not, yeah she's not only is she desperate but he has also never been violent no he's not a violent man there is nothing 
basically. No one would assume that about her. No, him. In fact, uh, him. And in fact, all of the women thought he was a joke. Yes. You know? Because listen to how they talk about him. I'm sure one of them might have thought he was a poor, sad little guy, right? But no, and of course, you know, when the wife says, well, didn't you know you were taking money away from my kids and my kids? Well, no. We don't talk about his... She said, I assumed he had a wife. No, I did not know he had children. No, I did not know he was, you know. Of course you don't know. A sex worker is not there, right? It's not her job. This is the, the, the job is to provide sexual release for men or women. Yeah. Sex workers are men and women and whatever. But the point is, is that I've heard too many horror stories. Just remember that I worked with sex workers who were dying. Yep. And so they have they no have reason to... not to tell you this. And they would tell me the stories you have no idea what I've heard. Maybe yeah. this colors my willingness yeah. to accept little kinks. Yeah. And not see them as just little things. Because I have seen. And I the, have heard the most extreme examples of it, yes. And where it starts, and sometimes, and then what they end up, the guilt so many of them have had, I say have, had, too, like this bizarre internal guilt, too, because they can't make the connections between what was done to them and what they have done to other people. Yeah. But they there, there's something here that says, but I shouldn't have done this. Like, like I didn't want this life. I didn't want this. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's nothing like becoming a priest in a confessional because that was essentially what I was doing half the time. It's yeah. All dying and they're a mess and there's nothing to be done about it. And they're mm-hmm. trying to make their peace with their past. And I, I mean, burnout? Yeah. I cannot explain to people... There is no way to truly explain to people why I burned out. No, because I, no, first off, no one wants to hear this stuff. Nobody wants to hear it. Second of all, a lot of it was privileged. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, so, it doesn't matter that they're dead. But now. I can it's make still general, their stories. I can make I can make general statements about so much of what I heard because nobody would ever figure it was just oh it was that person no 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 no, because no, i had so many of them right and there were so many clients this. and they weren't just catholic they were catholic they were protestant they were all this stuff yeah and you know and oh, god and they so well you know and then you have people like james brown who goes back and forth or little richard yeah can never deal with anything so you know he becomes a preacher and then he falls off the wagon again and then he becomes (laughs) a preacher then he falls off the wagon again right oh no giving it all up i'll give george foreman this his movie is out i guess this week or last week george foreman Foreman this yes no he became a preacher i had no idea george Foreman. and then he had to go he had to go back to boxing because there was no money in preaching. Preaching, yeah, but, okay, but that's he fair. still stayed a preacher. Oh well, that's good, right? You know, I'll give George Foreman that the boxing was just just they wanted him to do it because it would be yeah. funny. 
and that it would resolve, of course, a lot of, I mean, how many kids did he have too? God, they all <laughs> called George. Famously, yes. Famously, he named all his sons after him. Yeah. I don't know about his daughters. Did he have daughters? It wouldn't shock me if he had a daughter named Georgia. <laughs> yeah, you know, why not? We'd have to check that. That is not that uh, we cannot prove that. No, well, I I'll wait till the movie comes on Prime, right? There you go. Or Crave or wherever. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. This is this but yeah. ending this on a lighter note. We are because I mean sort it of. is it is the hardest episode. It it is. We're not. So we're not. Hard. This is. And it's not just because of the content of the episode itself. It is because, as we said, it is the completely log uh, yeah. logical and inevitable endpoint of all of the threads that have been building with the, the start beginning. of the Albi episode. Yeah. Specifically, the Albi episode. Yeah. Like, he set all of the characters on this rail, and yeah. now the train has smashed into the wall. Yeah. And there was, and because of who they were, there was no end because of what they are expect, how they are expected to behave and their refusal to break that expectation. There was no way to avoid this. Yep. Oh, what an episode. What an incredibly powerful episode. All right. Uh, so we're going to be, I, I know as crazy as it sounds, but we are, we actually do have more cracker to talk about <laughs> a surprisingly large amount of more cracker to talk about. Uh, so join us back here for that. Uh, but until then, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you're listening on an app or podcatcher, rate and review. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here next week for Cracker episode, uh, season three episodes. It's just uh, or, a two-parter, four and five. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look. Yeah, we didn't really have it in us to check, apparently. I'm going to check right now so we don't have people watching the wrong stuff. Uh, but yes, uh, it is. Yeah, no, the other ones are just two-parters. Uh, okay. So season three, episode four and five. So really episode two, which is Best Boys. And after that, oh. we've got True Romance. And oh. Then we've got Lucky White Ghost, which is the finale. Uh, where he goes, cra Cracker goes to Hong Kong. So that should be fun. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you back here next week for that. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.